guys. You're going to have a seat. How are we doing this morning? I hope so. I hope so. Um, so, I've uh, been joking all weekend with the worship team. We finally found it in the budget for a smoke machine for these guys. I had to use it on a week that Lauren wasn't here because she would have destroyed it. No. Uh, but no, I actually have this um, cool little steamer, and uh, hopefully those online, they'll zoom in, not on my face, but on that, okay? Um, and, and so you can see, um, as we start Ecclesiastes, I want you to see this, um, and, and this steam, and the properties of it. It's really important. And I want you to notice first, like, like it exists. Like, it, it actually is real. You, you see it, steam. Right, but but it's so. The reason I have to have this constantly running is it goes. It's so quick, isn't it? It's like whew, gone. Also, it's changing. Like like it just like you never know which way it's going to go. It's like constantly changing out of our control. And because of that, like try to try to grasp it. Right, try to control the steam. You know, like with your hand or with your like you can't do it. It just slips. To you. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean it's not here. Right? And, and lastly, and this kind of always, whew, any wrinkles I got in my shirt will be good, right? But this could also be called fog, right? And fog is used as like a mystery. It's like puzzling. Like no matter, even if you put your high beams on, sometimes that just makes it worse, right? And, and we're in this fog. And so I, I do this because Ecclesiastes actually compares life to this. Life is brief. Life changes constantly, right? Whether we like it or not. Life is impossible to truly control. And ultimately life, and I don't know if, I mean, I'm pretty sure even if you're really young here, you recognize that life is really, really puzzling. And there's a lot of questions about it, isn't there? And so as we look to Ecclesiastes, we're going to see, you guys ready for Ecclesiastes? All right. I was joking with Brian last night. Brian Hava was like, I've never been this nervous and this excited for a series. Well, I have, but not in a while. And he's like, how come? You know, and I'm like, I've been praying all week. I'm like, I know I'm weird, but hopefully our church family gets just as excited about Ecclesiastes as me. So this is life. Let's, let's pray. Lord, I, um, I am excited because it's your word and it's in the Bible that you gave us. It's often neglected and it shouldn't. Lord, it, it causes us to think deeply and, and I'm glad of that. I'm glad we have represented here this morning every generation because your word is for every generation. We come and we go, but you are forever. And so, Lord, I pray that wherever and we're all over the map, you know far greater than I do um, where everyone's at today and, and what we need from you. And so I ask that your spirit you provide it. Choose me as a vessel. Get me out of the way. Let your word, your truth, your gospel, who you are, resonate deep in our hearts, souls, lives, minds, everything of who we are. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. So, um, I, as, as I've said, we're only going to be spending seven weeks, and there's, you know, 12 chapters in Ecclesiastes, so we're obviously not going to do, like, some books line by line, um, but a little bit as we start things off. So, um, if you want to follow along and you turn on your Bibles or <laughs> flip to them or whatever, it is actually going to start Ecclesiastes 1.1. Um, it's really hard. One of the, there's a lot of questions that scholars have about Ecclesiastes. One of them is, is the actual like, structure of the book. How do you organize it? Some are much easier to figure out kind of the author's intent there. You know, so there's some say there's two halves. Some say it's just one gigantic argue, argument that arcs at the very end. And, and I don't think that's, not, that's necessarily not true. Um, but I've sort of borrowed and um, 
I wanted to, to, to tell you this. I borrowed an author named Walter Kaiser, and he wrote this small book about Ecclesiastes called Coping with Change. Change, And he wrote it in the 70s, and there's been, it's been updated. Um, but I found it really helpful. And he, and he carved it into four different sections. The first three end with, as we'll see today, um, the, the, this idea of eating and drinking and working to the pleasure of God. Um, and so that's kind of how I'm going to look at it. And so we're going to spend two weeks in three of the sections, one week in the other. And so the first two weeks is in the first section, and that's chapters one and two. All right, but our main focus this morning is going to be the first 11 verses of chapter 1, and a lot of the rest of the themes we'll bring out next week. And so if you, you look at verse 1, it brings us the first question of Ecclesiastes. It says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So right away, the question that scholars have had is, who actually wrote it? Because it doesn't actually say. Now, it does describe here, and, in, and often in, cha- in the first step, two chapters, and that's why um, traditionally Solomon is uh, the author. And I don't, I'm going to be calling him Solomon a lot because I don't see any reason to say it isn't. Um, but because you see right there, Solomon was the physical, the actual son of David and king over Jerusalem. Others think it was a later king who could have been a son of David who um, wrote these things and like to give us the view of Solomon. Because Solomon, when it comes to this life, this world, like nobody was more successful, right? I mean, richest, more powerful, more so like nobody. And even Solomon looks and goes, this life, I don't know. I don't know. And it makes us all feel better. Well, even Solomon says that. And so regardless, it doesn't tell us. And that's okay. Because these words are for any one of us. Whatever time period we currently live in, we need God's word. And so uh, the, the other question is, are there two, right? There's the author of Ecclesiastes, but then there's this guy, the preacher. Because it's somebody describing, saying the words of the preacher. Some would say it's the same guy, it's just a literary technique. Others say, no, it's someone compiling the words of the preacher. Again, we don't really know. Who is the preacher? Why do they call him that? And you may have a different English translation that says something else. But it's in Hebrew, it's koheleth is the word. And it's a, 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 a weird word. We're not exactly sure, but it, it means most likely to assemble. So it's somebody, right, whether Solomon, right, the preacher, he's assembled Israel to hear his words, and he's going to teach or he's going to preach. That's why he's called the preacher. And that's why the book's called Ecclesiastes. That just simply means an assembly, right, like we are, right, the words of the, the preacher, and so he, he's going to give these, these words, and in verse 2, he gives what I call the thesis, right? And if you, it's been a while since school, right? It's that beginning statement. It sort of says, this is what the whole paper is going to be about. This is what the whole, the whole, whole talk is going to be about. He doesn't say it that way, but I see it that way. Why? Because of that word, vanity. You see it in this five times. 38 times, if I'm counting correctly, throughout the whole book. So right away, five, this word is clearly the critical word of the book, and five times in this statement. And so his whole point is to say, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all, everything in life is vanity. Well, that sounds really depressing if you know what vanity means. Empty. If you have an NIV, meaningless. What, did Eeyore write this book, right? Oh, it's meaningless. What's the point? It's vanity anyway, right? And you're like, man, what a downer of a book, which is why a lot of people neglect it. But you know, his, historically, this can't be. Historically, in, in Israel, they would read Ecclesiastes in its entirety on the third day of the Feast of Weeks. And if you remember when we went through Leviticus, 
And if you're new to our church, you're like, what kind of moron pastor does Leviticus and Ecclesiastes? What is wrong with him? We don't have enough time to go through all that's wrong with me. All right? But if you were there, we went through the different feasts. And and, and the Feast of Weeks is one of those feasts that they just celebrated. A week long. Gathering with family. Gathering with friends. Good food. Good wine. Praising God for all that he's blessed them with. This was a feast you looked forward to. And it's not, what do you think? God just says, hey, bring Eeyore out just to tone it down there midweek, right? Like give him something depressing. No, 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 no. They saw this book as a book of, of joy and looking at what God has done. So that's how we need to see it as well. And so he says, vanity of vanities. That word in the thesis statement is a Hebrew word that I believe is the key, right? In fact, I brought the key to Lane made me. You guys remember this? The key? This is the key. If you don't get this, it's going to be hard to really get Ecclesiastes, in my humble opinion. And that is this Hebrew word, habel, which I don't have a great, uh, a, a great Hebrew accent. So transliterated, it's simply hebel, all right? Like pebble, except H. Hebel. And that's what it is. It's hebel. So, because what happened was, for years and years and years, they had the Old Testament, this Jewish scriptures, in Hebrew. That was their language. But over time, this, the Jews were spread out. And they started getting other first languages, just like we do. And, and, and so it was around the 270-ish B.C. mark, they translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek. Because a lot of them spoke Greek. And, and eventually it was translated into Latin. And then it was translated into all different other languages, including English. And so Hebel has so many nuances to the word. I want you to picture Hebel as, as on a railroad track. And you've got the singular railroad track. And you're going, you're going, you're going. And then you come to all these different places that you can go, different branches. And those are all the nuances of Hebel. And so the translator chose one. And it isn't a wrong nuance to say vanity or empty, because Hebel means... Steam, mist, vapor, breath, even smoke, right? It's that, that's why I started out today with that. And so that can almost seem empty or like, man, what's the point of this? It is a small nuance of it. And, and so the Greek translators chose that and they took this track. And then the Latin translators just stayed with it. And then when you get to, by the time you get to English, you're like, oh, everything is meaningless or everything is vanity or empty. So what I would need you to do is the key is to back that train up to where it was originally written in Hebrew. What did it mean and what are the nuances of this word? And it means mist or vapor. And so what it means is life, all is vanity or all is so quick, so brief. All changes on a dime and doesn't ask our permission. All of it is so impossible, it's hebel. You can't grasp it, you can't control it. All of it is so puzzling, it's foggy, and you'll see different points where he uses it, I think, for that nuance to say it's vanity or it's hebel, it's I don't get it, I don't understand it. And that's the key. When you read it that way in the thesis statement, he says all is hebel. In fact, the New Testament, um, James, for those of you who've been Christian for a while, you'll probably recognize this, pretty popular verse. He wrote it in Greek, so he didn't use the word hebel, but it's the same concept. Watch. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, and then you're gone. It vanishes. 
And this is the ecclesiastic, uh, uh, the preacher's whole point. James agrees, right? It's, it, it's not that everything's meaningless. Just read. All you got to do is the people who say that is deeply pessimistic and this shouldn't be in the Bible. Read it. There's so many places where he tells us there is great meaning with all of this. He's just saying it's hebel. It's so short. It's so quick. It's so impossible to control. And that's his point. And so when you look at it that way, and that's his, his thesis statement, he's, he, he then asks the key question. Right? And, and back to Clinton, this is verse 3. Right? This is the key question. He's trying to answer about it. If it's Hebel, right? So if life is Hebel, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? And if you've ever read Ecclesiastes, you know that's a very key phrase, right? Under the sun. So it's important to know what does he mean by that? He means under the sun. And what he means by that is this reality, this existence, this life, this earth, right? This life. Under the sun. If it's Hebel, right, so quick, so changing, so impossible to control, it's like, what does man gain? Remember that word now, gain. It's a business term. It means profit. And so all of your toil, and what he means, he's not just saying the hard uh, parts of life or your job. Anything you put effort in under the sun, that can be good things or not so fun things. Your job, raising kids, cleaning your house, your hobbies, your ministry, like all of this you're doing in this life, in this reality, in this hebel, right? What do you hope to profit in the end for ju- if it's just this? That's the question. If it's hebel, what do you really hope to gain just here? And so what he's going to do is he's going to compare um, our Hebel lives to creation to show us we're not all that. We're not here very long. In fact, look what he says in verse 4. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Right? And he's going to give us examples, and he's going to start with the sun. The sun rises, the sun goes down, and hastens to the place where it rises. All he's saying is, right, is that every day, and I know a lot of, we haven't seen the sun very much lately, right, but it's there. And every day, it rises, and then it sets. And then, whew, it's rising again. Next day, if you're trying to get some sleep, you know how quick it comes. Oh, man, really? The morning already? Right? Or, like, all he's saying is, you're fill in the blank. Great, 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 grandfather or grandmother. Wherever they were, wherever they lived, right? It was the same sun. Rose and set, and rose and set. And they're long gone. And then this person and this person, but now it's you. Same sun, rising and setting, rising and setting. Guess what? You're going to be gone. It's going to be the same sun, rising and setting. His whole point is, how quick are you? Like the sun's laughing at us, saying, you think you're making some kind of big difference in this whole, whole place? It's, it's not depressing. It's showing you realistically what life's about and we think we're far more permanent in this under the sun than we really are he um i mean when you when you when you think about the sun right like like if you've ever looking around most people have regardless of your age lost someone really important to you has that ever happened and if you're like me one of the things you thought is why does the sun keep getting up in other words why does life keep parading on? Like, it can't without my wife or my mother or my father or my best friend or even your pet, man. That can be crushing loss. 
Like, everyone else is just acting like the world is, it's not, right? Like, you're looking at it going, ah, right? But it just keeps on marching on, and the whole point is someday that'll be you, and people will mourn your loss, yes, but the sun will keep rising and setting. And it, if you, you look at it that way, it can be unsettling, but it's true, and that's the preacher's point. He gives a couple of other examples from um, creation. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns, right? The whole idea is just the cycle. And then he gets to the water cycle, right? I don't know if you remember your uh, grade school days. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. So it's the same idea. And so he caps it by saying, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What he's saying there is like, if you are trying to take this so quick, this hebel life, and, and make it all about profit here, you are going to be weary, aren't you? And the very specific things we'll get into more next week, like whether it's wisdom, pleasure, work, achievement, money, success, like if that's your end, that up to your toil, you're going to be weary because it's so quick and it doesn't bring what you think it's going to bring. And, and so he, he, he says in verse 9, what has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. <laughs> and you know this phrase, very popular in this book too. And there's nothing new under the sun. He says, is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There's nothing new that you can do or say. It's humbling. Now, is the, is the preacher uh, against inventions? Does it mean nothing new happens? No. Like, think about the automobile, which you wouldn't have known about, right? But you and I do. Or even more, the airplane, like the Wright brothers. Surely that was new under the sun. That sure changed things, didn't it? Well, did it? We just do the same dumb stuff. We just do it quicker and we can go further. Right? In the end? The internet. And I've been biting my lips saying El Gore invented the internet all and I finally I gotta say it like because I was just you know when that was invented and I know he took credit whoever invented the internet that's changed a lot right it's new under the sun isn't it but is it now you can research what the word Hebel means in like 10 minutes right whereas before he might have needed a few hours to write library a few books but it didn't really change much just made it faster now you can take advantage of somebody sexually and lustful in your mind um, by going to pornography. Well, is that new under the sun? No. It's just different. And it's just more convenient. And that's his whole point. Is what we think is so new and great, like, or new and horrible, it's the same. You're not coming up with anything all that different. Right? He, 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 this would be where we cap, and we'll look at the, the conclusion of, of, of this section to help us see what he's talking about in a minute. But he says, there's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Wow. Hebel. It's like a, a mountain that's just been there, and you're just like great, great grandparents. It looked down upon their lives, and now it's looking down upon yours. And if it could, it's a mountain, so it can. But if it could, it would chuckle at us. Oh, look at you. Aren't you cute? But you're so quick to do things that don't do a whole lot. And so Hebel 
if we are hebel, then life is brief. The question from verse 3 was, what can we gain under the sun by toil, right? And again, next week we'll look at the different examples, but what he's arguing is we're hebel. Everything is so short and so quick, whether you're 90 years, and most don't even make it that long, right? Even if you go over 100 and they put your name in the paper, right, because you had a birthday. It's so quick. It's hebel. We're a vapor in the grand scheme of the sun rising and the wind blowing. It's like the ancient, my favorite, great ancient philosopher, Ferris Bueller, once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you can miss it. Now, kids, I shouldn't condone Ferris Bueller, but he was a childhood hero of mine. So you don't know who that is, you can Google him later, just not now. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you're going to miss it. It's quick. Right? It, it, the idea of a hebel, and it may seem depressing, but it's, it's, it, it's, it's a reality we need to face. It's so few in the billions of people who have lived, are living, will live, right? Like, like how many are ever really remembered? That's like under uh, 100th percentage, and that's just my computation, but there's a few that break through. Like, you know who Abraham Lincoln was, sort of, or Adolf Hitler, right? Like, but... Even then, it's like a caricature, like top hat, sweet beard, he freed the slaves. Terrible haircut for Hitler, really weird mustache, and he was a monster who killed millions. Okay, so there's, there's these few people, but the vast majority, which would be us, I'm guessing, are not going to be remembered beyond a couple of generations. I'm a pastor, so I have to have some of these weird, somber conversations with people. But, but, but like when, when you're grieving and you, you've lost someone and you decide to have them cremated, and I'm like, that's fine. They're like, yeah, and we're going to just keep them on a shelf here because you're just going to miss them. And I'm like, that's fine. We all grieve in different ways. But I'm like, I do suggest that eventually you find a resting place for them. Whether a plot or scatter it somewhere. Why? How come? Because I'm going to sit in like two generations. It's going to be in someone's attic and be like, who is this? Right? Like it's, it's just the truth. We don't like to think of it that way, but that's what Hebel means. Like my legacy, like, like th- there's going to come to a point where the only thing known about me is like somebody who did some research on our family tree. It's going to be, I'm going to be relegated to a poster board in some kid's eighth grade class where they're like, look everybody, James Ryan Walton, I had a pastor in my family and everyone's going to laugh. You? And that's about it. I didn't even know my grandparents. I, I know some stories my parents have told. My kids know very little. Their kids are going to know nothing. Go to a cemetery. There's these sections that are newer, and they're very well cared for. There's benches and toys and, and flowers, and it's great, right? You go over here, you're like, nobody's been here in years. Is that because they were a bad person? Probably not. It's just because it's gone too long, and the people that knew them are gone. Because that's Hebel. Right? Our lives are like, um, if you've ever spent, and probably you have, uh, a day at the beach, Right? You bring the kids or grandkids or whatever, and you're on the, you're on the beach, and, 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 and man, you're running, you're playing, you're building sandcastles, right? And at the end of your beach day, you pick up your chairs, and you're walking away, and you look back. What a day. What a great day. And you look back, and there's evidence you were there, right? You were there, and it meant something. Your footprints, the sandcastle, it's great. And you go off. You come back the next morning for your morning walk, and guess what's there? Why? Because the inevitability of the tides, they come and they go, and they come and they go. It doesn't mean it wasn't meaningful. It doesn't mean it it wasn't important. 
It just means it's so quick. You want it to be more. You want it to last longer, but it doesn't. It's not useless. It's not meaningless, but it's so brief. And the point of the preacher is there has to be something bigger to look at than this. Toil under the sun. Life is hebel. It means it changes quickly. Generations come and they go. Like sometimes I was looking this morning through my sunroom, and we have this giant rock just in, the, in, in our woods, and I was looking at it. And I was looking, man, how long has that rock been here? And it's going to be here long after I've changed, right? Like, it laughs at me. Like, look at you coming and going, calm it down, bro. Chill. But that rock has been there and will continue to be there. Not me. It's hebel, so changing. And you know that. If you've lived any length of life at all, you know. Things change, and no one sends you an email saying, hey, everything's about to change, right? Even things you think, like your first baby, you're like, oh, this is probably going to change some things, right? Those of us that have been there, they're like, you don't even know, right? And then you have the baby, you're like, why didn't somebody tell me? It's like, man, there's no telling you that, right? It's a good change. It's a hard change, but it's changes. You get like in your, your 30s and you wake up and so, you didn't change it. All of a sudden, you, you have 15 pounds extra. What happened? You get in your 40s and you get hurt sleeping. Right? In your 50s, you got the empty nest, and what's that about? And then you're thinking about retirement, and then pretty soon, you're every day reading the obituaries to see who you beat out today. Right? And it feels like, and, and that's why in the promo we said, it feels like a hamster wheel. Right? Long days. You ever heard this? Long days. Fast years. And that's the older you get, the way it is, right? It's like rolling down a hill, and it's getting faster, 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 faster. It's hebel. And it changes, and you can't control those changes. And just when life is really good, and I was talking to a family after the, uh, 9 o'clock and, and a mom, and she was like, you know, I'm really helpful because I was just, I've been thinking lately, we're so blessed of our kids. Things are such a good place. I almost feel bad, and I'm waiting for the thing to happen. She's like, what am I doing? <laughs> and that's the whole point, is, is that the preacher wants you to realize it's going to change, so enjoy what you have now. And that's what will get you. Hebel, it means because it's so brief, because it's changing, it also cannot be controlled. That steam, like, just try, right? And, and, and it's like, oh, it's, that's, that's life, isn't it? No matter what you use, whether it's pleasure or wisdom or, or money or success, and the younger you are, the harder it is for you to figure, you think, oh, i got my whole life and I'm going to do all this stuff. And you may, and I hope you do. This is not saying, sit around, who cares? This is not a book that's, that some say is hedonistic or secular and just says, ah, just do whatever you want. You're going to die tomorrow anyway. That's not what he's saying. Just read it and we're going to. He's saying, no, 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 no. He's not com- compelling us to sin. It's compelling us to stop and look around. All right, compelling us to realize we can't control this life. You can't. You're, you want to, and the more you try, and the toil under the sun, the more anxious you get, and the more frustrated you get, and the angrier you, you get, because ultimately there's so few things you control. Uh, hey, rise high in business. Rise high in politics. We need awesome, godly people. But don't let it forsake what's truly important because you're really just hebel and there's nothing new under the sun. You see, life is also puzzling. Anyone disagree? I got it all figured out. You're four maybe, right? No. Life is a fog. It's puzzling. 
It's a vapor. I want you to imagine that God made you exactly the way I, I'm your age and everything, right? And he, and he pulls you aside. He says, all right, I'm going to put you wherever you want, whatever time period, whatever family, whatever you choose, and I'm going to give you three days. At the end of your three days of living with that situation, you come back and you can, you can describe for me as much as you can about life and reality and existence, right? And you're like, whoa, okay. And so you, you go into your family, you go into whatever community, whatever crew he puts around you, and you got to sleep a little. You got to eat. Right? But other than that, you're like trying so hard to study and learn everything you possibly can about this life. The three days are up. God calls you back in, right? And he says, well, what did you learn? You're like, it was three days. What? I tried so hard to learn it. But oh, I really, right? And all the preacher is saying, you're 90 years? It may as well be the three days. What do you know? What are you going to know? And I want you to imagine in those three days, instead of straining and trying and trying, you said, let me just enjoy these three days with the people God has given me. Let me have a good meal. And let's worship together. And at the end of the three days, when God asks you, I don't know, <laughs> but it was awesome. That's Hebel. Is that it is so brief and it's so quick and you cannot control it. And you're not going to have a, why do you think God said that to Job? And Job's like, why, why, why? And God's like, come on, man. You're Hebel. I'm God. What are you trying to figure all this stuff out for? Yes, you're going to have questions. Expect them. You're Hebel. Why wouldn't you? You're so quick and so changing. Stop trying to clutch onto everything and, and, and I need to have every single answer because it's not going to happen. Life will, and you'll see that in Ecclesiastes. Sometimes that's the nuance we go with. It's like it's puzzling. I don't understand why this is happening because it's Hebel. So I don't want to leave you there. It's a little bit depressing. And so I want to skip ahead to the uh, end of, of chapter 2. Um, and and uh, I have the, the verse wrong. I have just verse 4, but it's verse 24 in chapter 2, if you're following along. This is the conclusion to section 1, and we'll see this again next week. He says, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. So it's almost like two categories. And everyone on earth is in one, whether you know it or not, is that you have blessings and amazing gifts that God's given you every day. Like, what, like, like we, 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 we don't look around and we're always thinking about what we need and what we should have. We forget. Like, man, the kids you got, the friends you got, the home you got, the, the fact that you can get up and breathe and walk. And, right? Like you got all this stuff. But there's almost this second category. And it's this category that's the key to all of this. And it's a gift from God for you to enjoy those blessings. To actually stop and look around once in a while and say, and not more than, more than once in a while, I would suggest every day that mercies are new every morning and the blessings flow every single day. And he says, this is from the hand of God. Enjoy. He's not saying eat and drink like, 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 like be sinful He's saying, man, it's quick. Enjoy it. It's hard, yeah, enjoy it. What if we did that? What if we woke up every day instead of being frustrated about, oh, I need to achieve, and I need that promotion, and I need more money, and I need, instead, yeah, you, you go for those things, but you say, oh, I'm going to enjoy the wife of my youth or the husband of my youth. I'm going to enjoy the kids God's given me, not the kids that I want them to be. I'm going to enjoy the job I have, not just the job I want. That's the point. It's Hebel. 
And it's a hand, it's, it's gifts from the hand of God. Verse 25, he says, For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he actually, and we'll talk more about this next week, he actually makes it a moral thing, right? How you view life. He's actually given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is hebel, vanity, and a striving after wind, which is just the same thing. Try to go catch wind, right? Well, there's wind turbines. Okay, we get it, right? You know what I mean? You try to do it. Try to grab a hold of wind. He won't. And so the idea, the, 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 the idea of I think what the preacher's saying about Hebel is that, that, that we need, and it really goes back to two weeks ago. If you remember Pastor Bob's sermon, um, and don't say you didn't because that'll depress him, right? He'll, he'll hear, right? Is contentment. Contentment. Look around and say, man, look at all God's given me and enjoy it. Not sinfully, of course not, right? We'll see more about how it's really about obeying God and fearing God and revering God. But, but like, enjoy God. Enjoy this right now. And stop looking. I don't know if you're a forward-thinking person, but I am. So this is huge for me, right? Like, constantly, like, what's next? What are we going to do next? What, and, and God made you that way, right? Like, there's some good thing in that. But, like, you, you can get so carried away with that that you don't stop and say, man, this life, it is fast, and it changes on a dime, and there's no real control that I have over it. So you know what? I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to be content in my hard work, content with my kids, with my marriage, all trying to be better, yeah, but be content. See, um, as I said last week about Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, same way, it is beautiful and it is God's word and it helps us think deeply, but it is a shadow. You see, we have an advantage over the preacher. (laughs) We know Jesus Christ. And Christ ain't Hebel. He's eternal, isn't he? He's the eternal son of God. Oh, he came into the hebel. <laughs> oh, he lived with us in all this toil under the sun so that he could die to give us life eternal, not hebel. The whole idea of the gain, the profit of this life. He says, no, 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 no. There's something far greater. Enjoy this now. There's meaning, there's purpose, but it's footprints in the sand. See, Jesus wants... And, and uh, Mark, in his gospel, tells us of this, this time in, in chapter 8. It says, Jesus was calling the crowd. In the gospels, crowd is kind of a negative thing, right? If you're sort of suspicious and saying, I'm not sure, you're the crowd. So it's good. Jesus is like, come, come on, come here. Because he called them with the disciples. And I love it. He's, what is he doing? He's assembling them. Almost like Jesus is the greater Koheleth, the greater preacher. Right? And, and what does he tell them? Like he brings them in. He says to them, listen, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life, that's the toil under the sun, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Here it is, right? The key. For what does it profit a man to gain? Remember that word? To gain the whole world, and forfeit his soul. Why would you toil under the sun and try to get every single possible thing and forfeit what I can give you, which is eternity? 
You see, what, what, Jesus isn't saying don't have fun. Like he's not, one of the, I think, best gifts of the, that new show a lot of you have watched called The Chosen, right? Now they make up, they have to fill in a lot of gaps, maybe right, maybe wrong. But what they do uh, is they show us Jesus loved life. He had a family. He had friends. He ate. They called him a drunkard. He wasn't. Why did they call him that? Because he had, he had great times with friends, and he wasn't this picture of long, flowing, piercing blue eyes, somberly looking at you and going, you're bad. He was Jesus. He, he's not saying, right, don't enjoy in the right way the goodness and the blessings God's given you. What he's saying is, is that there's so much more to this apple. And don't make it about that. Instead, be willing to die to that. So Ecclesiastes teaches be contentment in God. What we know is the point of life is contentment in Christ. I, I, I want to close with two physical illustrations. And the first, any of you have a weighted blanket at home? You can admit it. All right. Um, this is Heather's. Um, this is going to be surprising to you guys, but I really like to move around when I'm sleeping, so I don't like these. All right. I know, shocking, shocking. But I, I'm, I'll probably bring this out a little bit, much to Heather's chagrin. Is that dirty? No, it's fine, it's fine. Um, that's not her voice. Please don't tell her I said it like that. Um, and, and so I want, this is what we're going to call the blanket of humility. Because I think that's ultimately what Jesus is saying. And I think what Ecclesiastes is saying. Don't, not, yes, enjoy, it's hebel. But man, it's, he's trying to get us, and that's what this blanket does, right? It sort of forces you down. Some of you are like, I wish I had that, this whole sermon. That would have been great. Don't tell me you thought that, all right? So it, if you know a weighted blanket, man, it's just like, whew, right? And, and what it's telling you is like, get low. You're not all that you really think you are. And what you're trying to do and achieve and work, it's great. It's not doing a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, right? Be humble to say there's something far greater than this. Something so much greater than this, this hebel. And so, I know this is going to be really surprising to you, but I had to bring out the rope of hope. I almost tripped myself on this. How ironic would that have been? Pastor Jamie falls because of the rope of hope. All right. So, and, and, and if, the first time I ever saw this, it was Francis Chan. A lot of you seen him online as a pastor. He's the one that I stole this from, right? I'm sure he's good with it. Never asked him. I'm sure he's good with it. Um, and, 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 he, and he asked a question. You know, he said, well, this, this rope, it's your life. And, I, and I, I remember thinking, and some of you, when the first time you heard this, thought the same thing. All right, you're born, and then this is like your teenage years, and here's where I'm comparing obituaries over here, right? And, and he's like, no, 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 that's your life. <laughs> the tape, his was red, we have green, we're better, right? The tape is this life. And if you've been here, and you've heard me use this example many times, I always say the same thing. It shouldn't be this big, Right? It shouldn't, I do it just for the illustration so you can see it in the back, right? It shouldn't, you should barely see it. It's hebel, it's footprints in the sand, it's here today and gone tomorrow. It is mist, right? It is brief, it is quick, right? And it doesn't mean it's not important and not meaningful, it is, but it's perspective, right? That, 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 that this is what Christ has given you through the cross and the resurrection. It's eternity. So hebel is meaningful, don't make it more than it really is. And when you look at it that way, you're going to have a lot of questions. You are. You're going to be puzzled by life. Every single one of us. Expect it. It's hebel. It's going to feel so quick sometimes. Oh, 
I just want to stop life right here. And It's Hebel. Expect it. Man, I don't want things to change. I like it this way. Oh, it's Hebel. Expect it. Expect it. But it's okay because you have eternity in Christ. And so don't chase after the wind. And don't try to toil after all of these things. Enjoy what God's given you from his hand. But live for something so much greater. Do not forfeit your soul. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for um, this treasure of a book. Just like all of scripture. Thank you for the perspective. Perspective of humility. Perspective of being able to stop and look around. Your mercies are new every morning. Your blessings flow every day. They're flowing right now. We're even here. I would even, Lord, invite us to just enjoy this moment right now. I think about what we're going to do at lunch. I think about, but enjoy this time with your people singing praises to your name. Lord, what a gift. And Lord, let us see our marriages or our, our schools or our kids, our grandkids, our jobs. Our, let us see the good in them. Enjoy them as you've given us to us. Lord, I pray in this room you would, and, and those online as well, you would bless, uh, especially the younger people, man, that they, Lord, that they would achieve great things. And they would do amazing things in this short life. I pray for that. I want that. But God, never do I want them to forsake their soul. Lord, let them always keep perspective. It's so quick. It's so changing. And eternity is so much more important. Call us to know you in a greater and deeper way. Lord, if there's anyone who's not a Christian here, yeah, I so badly want them to be. I don't know what else even to say. I don't have tricky words, Lord. I want them to know you're the only way to salvation in this hebel world that they would confess in faith jesus you are lord you are savior you are king let your spirit open their heart of faith their eyes to see we give you all the glory and praise in jesus name we pray amen let's stand and sing together